0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a God who hears prayer. And we pray that you may hear our prayer now, that you would enlighten us about what you would have us do as your people. Lord, we thank you for your word, which does enlighten us. But Lord, we pray that it may really take a grip upon our hearts this morning. We pray that you may be with me. May I speak what is true and in accordance with your word. And we pray that the people of Dremoyne Baptist may be edified here this morning so that they can serve you all the more fully. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before I uh, worked as a podiatrist, of course, I worked at Target, as many of you know, as a shop assistant. And one of the things that always made me curious at Target in my time there was why the managers actually stayed in their jobs because many of them complained about their jobs and they, I could see that they found it boring a lot of the time. And they also told me that they didn't actually make that much. Uh, they wouldn't actually tell me how much they made as managers, but they told me, don't think that I make a lot, Joel, for all the hours that I put in. And so I was always curious as to why did they actually stay? And for some of them, I think I did work out the reason. The reason was that they loved the power that they had over the staff at the at the place. They could boss people around. And I could see that for some managers that was the highlight of their job. They were ruthless uh, to generally teenage uh teenagers who are there while they're at school or at uh going into university, and they were ruthless to them. They were quite cruel at times. And uh and so I could see that it was the love of power that kept them in that job in some ways. It was the highlight of their job. And we've got to remember that power has always been one of the biggest reasons people get into leadership, leadership in different uh, parts of society. There's always going to be, wherever, wherever there are leaders, there are going to be people who want to be leaders simply because of the power it gives them over others. And Peter, the apostle, knows this. We've been looking at, uh, Peter's letter for a number of weeks, a number of months, I should say, uh, and we've come to this section in 1 Peter chapter 5 where Peter talks about the leaders of the church. And he talks about reasons why leaders, why we should have, why people should want to be elders of a church. And we've looked at a couple of those. And we've seen firstly in verse 2 that people should be leaders not because they must but because they are willing. And some people are in leadership positions simply because they've been pressured into it. Uh, They don't actually want to be leaders. And Peter says that should not be the case of people who lead a church. And then last week we saw another reason uh, discounted as to why you should get into uh, leadership of a church. It was in uh, verse two as well. He says, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be not greedy for money, but eager to serve. And of course, if we know anything about leadership in society, those who are in leadership often make a lot of money. Some don't make as much as others, but there is that temptation always to get into leadership simply because you'll get paid a lot of money. And if anyone usually gets elevated at at work and they sort of, oh, I don't know, it's extra responsibility, but they go, oh, but the pay is better. And so they go up and up in the positions because of money. But Peter said that is not the reason you should be an elder of a church. It shouldn't be because of the cash. And then this week he gives us his third reason uh, reason why you shouldn't want to go into the leadership, and that is because of... The power that will give you. And he says that in verse 3 not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at this third verse of 1 Peter chapter 5 on page 1203. This third verse, which talks about the abuse of power. And so, my first main point this morning is that elders should not abuse power. Elders should not abuse power. Peter tells them that. They shouldn't be ones who lord it over those entrusted to them. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be lording over someone? Well, another translation, English translation, has the word domineering, which probably is a better translation. Lording it over someone sounds a bit quaint, um, a bit of a strange expression. We shouldn't be domineering. And the Greek word uh, that is translated there as lording over always uh, has some sort of involvement of bringing something into subjection by the use of force, whether physical, military or political. So it always has this connotation of forcing someone to do something, whether it's the physical force, whether it's military force or whether it's political force. That has that idea there that when you lord yourself over someone, it's got an idea of forcing people to do what you you want them to do. Now, of course, we've got to be careful that we say that the elders don't have any power, that they should not have a power at all. We've got to remember it's this this forceful idea, this domineering thing, because elders, of course, do have power in the church. Otherwise, they wouldn't be leaders of the church. And we see down in verse 5 that there is submission required of people in the church, particularly the young men. If you've got any problems in a church, sometimes they're the first ones that need to be told. Verse 5, young men in the same way be submissive to those who are older. And that word older is actually the same word used for elder. And so when I deal with that in a few weeks' time, uh, we'll get into a bit more detail about that. But clearly there's an idea of submission that happens within a church. There is power relationship in a church. But what Peter wants to make sure that is understood from verse 3 is that there shouldn't be this lust for power, this power that is used in the church where people are forced to do things. And so an elder shouldn't be someone who is aggressive and excessive in their use of the power that God has given them. An elder shouldn't be someone who is intimidating towards others and people are actually scared to say anything that they know that elder does not like. They should be always people who people can come to and approach. They shouldn't be intimidating to the point of scaring people. And they shouldn't be, an elder of the church shouldn't be someone who expects everybody to just jump to when they speak. And they say what they think should happen and they just expect everybody else to follow in line. That is, if that's their expectation, then obviously they have understood wrongly that... An elder of a church has that kind of power over the people, as should not be the case. An elder shouldn't be someone who abuses the power that they have. But you may ask the question, is it necessary to really say that to elders of a church? Do they really abuse power? Surely elders of churches would not need to hear that. Well the sad fact is that yes elders are sinners and they need to hear that they should not be people who domineer over the people that are placed under their care. We uh, we saw that from Ezekiel chapter uh 30 oh, I didn't write it down. Chapter 34. Chapter 34 we just had it read earlier. Chapter 34 where it talks a lot about the shepherds of Israel. And it talks about how the shepherds of Israel, the elders of Israel, have taken advantage of the sheep, have taken advantage of them and are using their power to make profit out of the sheep and get what they can out of them. And so it's clearly relevant to warn people in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, we see that it is relevant to do that as well. Not just by Peter's verse here, verse 3 of chapter 5. We see Jesus also having to confront his disciples about this idea that they can have power over others. I just get you to flip back to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, so that you can see that clearly this was a problem even while Jesus was around with his disciples. Matthew chapter 20, reading from verse 20, which is found on page 977 of the Black Church Bibles, 977 of the Black Church Bibles, and we see a mother and her sons are coming with an interesting request of Jesus. Verse 20 of Matthew chapter 20 says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, if you don't know who that is, that's James and John, came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? Yet yeah, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those For whom they have been prepared by my Father. So here we see two disciples already struggling with this idea. They want to be at Jesus' right hand and left, which means the great positions of power. And their mum also wants that to happen as well. We see there, while the church is, the Christian church is just starting to be formed as Jesus has his disciples, already they're struggling with this idea. And so then, what happens? Verse 24. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Now, I always wonder, is the indignance there that they think, oh, yes, um, that's uh, they just should never have done that. That's really wrong what they did. Or are they indignant that they would really have liked to have asked the question before the other people so that they could have been the ones who got the positions of power? And then Jesus says in verse 25, it says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. He has to warn them. Yes, society. You see at the different levels of society that you're in that the the Gentile leaders, they lord it over the people that are put in their care. But not so with you. You have that desire in you to lord yourself over other people. You cannot have that, Jesus is saying. And so it's still necessary to warn about abuse of power today. If we're honest and we look at our culture, we see that people love to have power over others, not just at Target. It happens at every level of society. From little children growing up very young, I already see it in my own son, he loves to lord himself over his little sister. Likes to give her commands, sit down. When she's standing on her chair, we have to remind him, no, you speak to us and then we speak. You point out, yes, she's doing the wrong thing, but you tell us and we tell her to sit down. You're not to lord yourself over others. And we see it happen again and again in our society. As you grow up, more and more, people will want to lord themselves over you and you will also have that desire to lord yourself over others, to domineer others. And church leaders need to be particularly careful in this regard. Because church leaders do have a lot of power over people. Church leaders are respected in a way, often in society, that nobody else is respected. Political leaders are often treated with disdain in our society and democratic process, and we see that people just don't believe often what the political leaders say and they speak abusively of them in many ways. But Christian leaders of churches, people don't speak that way about them most of the time. Yes, they can at different times, and maybe rightly so, if a Christian leader has been abusive of his power or is doing wrong. But there's generally a level of respect. I even feel it myself. As soon as people know that I'm a pastor of a church, they have a deal of respect for me just from finding out that piece of information. Whereas when people find out you're a politician in society, maybe they would uh, have a little bit more of a, a different response to that. And people have a quite a bit of superstition about, uh, about leaders of churches as well. They have this idea, they realise there's a spiritual weightiness that comes with that task, and that if they if they uh attack or abuse someone who's a leader of a church, they get a little bit fearful about what the person who is above that spiritual leader might do, God the Father. There's a bit of superstition that goes with that. And so a leader of a church, an elder, a pastor, has this power over people that you don't see at other parts of society, where people will take the benefit of doubt more so with the leaders of a church and where they will be less inclined to challenge the person and so that the leader of the church has more opportunity to abuse power over people. So elders have to be very careful not to give in to the temptation to abuse power. The question is, well, why shouldn't they? I mean, Peter tells you don't do it, but why shouldn't they? And I think Peter gives us a good reason why we shouldn't do that in verse 3. He says, not lording it over those entrusted to you. And so that brings me to my second main point this morning. Elders should not abuse power because of their trust. Elders should remember that they are entrusted with Christians, not given Christians. They're entrusted with them. It's a different kind of understanding. Holding something in trust is different from being given something. If you are, if you are given something in trust, you're meant to look after and protect it for the other person. You're not supposed to take that and say, it's mine. You're looking after it in trust. And so elders should never forget that fact. They should remember that the people in a church do not belong to them. They belong to God. They're God's people, not the elders' people. Yes, they are his people that they're looking after, but ultimately they're God's people that have been entrusted to them. And one day they will have to hand those people over to the groom when he comes, Jesus Christ. You see John the Baptist doing that. People are following him and he says, I'm not the one. I'm here to to call you to repentance, but then give you over. I'm the, the friend of the groom. I'm not the groom. I don't take the bride for myself. I hand you over to the groom. And elders have to remember that. The church doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. So it's kind of like when you look after somebody else's kids when you're an elder of a church. I'm happy to do things with my own kids, with my powers that I have in my house that I wouldn't do with other kids. I push them around on the couch, I throw them up in the air and I discipline them, I use my powers there. But if somebody else's kids are over at my house, I don't do those kinds of things. I don't push them around on the couch, I don't throw them up in the air as much as they might like me to do it for them and I don't discipline them. I remember who they belong to. I make sure that they're well looked after because I know that the parents are coming back later on to pick them up. And I'll have to answer to the parents if I've been abusive in the power that I have over those kids while they're under my care. And so I have to remember that. And that's what an elder of a church has to remember as well. That he has to be very careful with those children that God has put under his care. If you throw your weight around with a son or daughter of God, What does that mean? You have to answer to God the Father when he comes to pick his children up on Judgment Day. And that's a scary thought. See, leaders of churches sometimes seem to act like there is no God over the the people that are under their care, as though they are somehow the top dog of the church. It's not true. The church belongs to God and to his groom, Jesus Christ. And it is a privilege to be able to look after God's children. It's not a chance for elders to make mincemeat out of them for their own gain. And so an elder should never lord himself over the church because, what does it say? Not lording it over those entrusted to you. He has to remember that there's a trust that he has, those people under his care. They're not his for his own personal gain. So then the question is, if the elder is not supposed to lord himself over to the people, what should he do instead of lording himself over Christians? And that brings me to my third main point this morning. Elders should not abuse power, but be an example of servanthood. Elders should not be, abuse power, but be an example of servanthood. Peter tells the elders to be an example in verse 3. He says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but instead... Being examples to the flock. Being examples to the flock. You might say, well, is Peter right to tell the leaders of the church to be examples? After all, aren't we meant to follow Christ's example? Aren't we meant to be holy as God is holy? Surely we're setting our sights a bit low when we're trying to imitate the leaders of a church. But this is an idea that is taught again and again in the New Testament, that we're supposed to imitate our leaders. Paul repeatedly encourages people to not only follow Christ's example, but to follow his example and the way he lived. And he does that in many places. And one example is Philippians 4.9, where he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Look at my life, what you have learned from me, what you have received, what you have heard, what you have seen in me. And put that into practice. And then in Hebrews 13, 7, the author there commands the readers to consider their leaders and imitate their faith. Imitate the faith. Now, why would these commands be given in Scripture? Why not just imitate Christ? Surely just look to him. Well, when you imitate a leader, a Christian leader, who is a godly person following after Christ, you actually see Christ in them. And so when you imitate what a Christian leader is doing that is godly, You're imitating the Christ that you can see in them. And so it's right and fitting that you would imitate the person if you are indeed imitating Christ that's in them. And also you can imitate your leaders in doing what Christ never did. There are some things that we do that Christ never did and that we're called to do. The big example of that is repentance. Did Christ ever give us an example while he was on the earth of repentance? No. Why? Because he never sinned. But yet you're called to repent. How do you know how to repent? What sort of examples do you have? Well, you should look at your leaders. Look at the repentance that you see in their life. Look at their acknowledgement of sin. That is a way to imitate your leaders. Imitate them in ways that you never see happening in Christ. And so elders must remember that they are an example to the flock. Whenever they stand up and do anything, whenever they speak, whenever they teach people, whenever they just are seen, that's what Paul says there, whatever you have seen in me, whenever you're just seen by people, you're being an example to them. And they have to remember that. Elders have to remember that. Because if they're an example to people, then people will start being like them. People will start to be what they see, and if you're abusive to people with your power, don't expect it to always be that you have the, um, the power tripping around in the church. If people see you doing that, they might start to do the same back to you. They might start to gather power and start to be abusive in the power that they have back. And particularly in a congregational church government, um, the, the, the weight of the power rests with the members. And so if you go around throwing your weight around, it may not be very long before the members start to throw their weight around and they start to become uh, abusive towards you just as you've been abusive towards them. People will start to become what you are as an elder. And so when you sin as an elder, you have to ask yourself, is this the way you want people to behave? Do you recognise that people will start being like you, whether you like it or not? And then we, if, we were, if the elders have to remember that they are examples to the flock, the people need to also remember that the, the elder is an example and so they will become like their elders. That means that you should carefully consider if the elders of your church are people you want to become like because you'll start to become like them whether you like it or not. You just start to naturally do that. And so if you have reasons for not wanting to become like one of your elders, then you should either change churches or try and get that elder removed from office. If you see things in his life that you do not like and you do not want to see in your life, then you should be very careful about having that person as an elder of your church. And if you church shop, if you go around church shopping, that should be one of the biggest factors that you should consider when you look at a church. People consider music, they consider the age bracket that they're most interested in, whether there's lots of young adults there what they should be considering is, what is the pastor like? Not just in his teaching, but also in his life. And do I want to become like that pastor? Because if I join that church, that's what I'll become like, gradually over time. He will be an example to me, and I'll start to become like him and the other leaders of the church. And so that should be a big consideration for anyone as you consider joining a church. So the elder should be an example, Peter says there but then the question is an example of what which he doesn't actually say in the text he says verse 3 not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock what should he be an example of well I think he should be an example of servanthood to God and to fellow men and we just see that just back in verse 2 the very previous uh, qualification he says but eager to serve eager to serve And we see this also in Christ. That passage that we looked at in Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, if you just turn back there, page 977 of the Black Church Bibles, where he speaks about how the disciples should not lord themselves over others as the secular leaders do. What does he say instead? He says in verse 26 of Matthew chapter 20, Matthew 20, verse 26, he says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You're not supposed to abuse power. What does Jesus say instead? You're meant to be a servant to others. And if you want an example to follow follow my example, follow the example of the Son of Man. Jesus is talking a little cryptically there about himself, calling him the Son of Man, but he's saying, follow my example. And how did he show his example of service? He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's how you do service for God. You give your life as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus did. If you're not a Christian, I want you to understand that's what Jesus is all about. Jesus hasn't come to lord himself over you when he came into this world. He came to give his life for you so that you could be set free from your sin and go and enjoy peace with him eternally in heaven if you just repent of your sins and believe that he died for you. And I encourage you to do that. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Accept that truth for your own life by trusting in Jesus. And elders must be ready to be like him and lay down their life for the sheep. Elders may literally need to do that and many pastors in church history have done that. They have laid down their life for the sheep. And we remember this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5 is in the midst of suffering that he's writing. And so it may be that pastors are going to get knocks on their door soon and die because they are pastors of the flock. And so they will get taken down and the sheep will be protected as they probably would keep secrets about who is their members from the persecutors. And so they literally may need to lay down their lives. But metaphorically as well, we need to lay down our lives for the sheep. We need to give much of our lives if we're elders of churches for the sheep. Much of Sunday, Sundays may be written off as church work, as doing work for the, for, um, the people of the, the church. And then through the week as well, they may attend other meetings and give of their lives in those ways. So elders should be serving. It's not about what they can get from the flock, but what they can give and how they can serve the people. But what does that mean if you're not an elder? If you're not an elder? Does Peter have anything for you in this verse 3 for you? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Everyone should be servants. Everyone should be servants. If we're supposed to follow the elders' example, if if the elders are examples to the flock, then the people should be being what the elders are. And what are the elders meant to be? They're meant to be servants. They're meant to be ministers. That word minister means servant. Servant. We somehow elevated it to be a power status. We even have prime minister and ministers in, in political spheres. But the word actually means servant. And often we seem to associate the word minister as someone who is an authoritative person who throws their weight around. But it's not true. And so if you have, if you're meant to be like the, the ministers of the church, then you should be ministers yourself. We all have power in some way. You have power over people around you. Do you use that power to domineer others or do you use that power not for what you can gain but for what you can give to others? Are people afraid to challenge you? And they don't, they're don't? they scared to talk to you about things that are going on and when, particularly when they know that you have a different opinion. Are they scared of your wrath? And are you willing to also to give of your life for your brothers and sisters are you willing to give not only of your sunday mornings but also of your weekdays give of your time by meeting up with other members by calling them up by sending emails are you willing to give of your life and serve your brothers and sisters by giving financially to one another to the church which means that some of that time that you lost working for that cash is then given over so that time that you dedicated at your job is actually dedicated to god's people and are you willing to give up your time praying for your brothers and sisters? You can lose a lot of your life in prayer, but it's not lost. But it may seem like it's lost. Are you ready to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters in Christ? I pray that it can be said of Des Moines Baptist elders and members that they're not ones who lord themselves over those entrusted to them, but are examples of servanthood. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are so clear about what elders should be like in the church and the reasons they should be getting into leadership positions. Lord, we pray that the elders of Dremoyne Baptist Church now and in the future may not be ones who lord themselves over those entrusted to their care but remember that they are holding those people in trust for you and Lord we pray that they may be eager to serve you ready to give up their lives for you being examples to the flock that is under their care of servanthood Lord we pray for the people of Des Moines Baptist Church that they may follow the example of the leaders not be abusers of power but be examples of service as well to those around them. We pray that the people of Des Moines Baptist may follow the example of Christ and give of their lives for you. May they not be ones who come to be served, but to serve and give their lives for many. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.